This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. With me in studio today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Jo Lenehan. She is the editor of the Climate Supplement with the Sunday Times Ireland. I know her as Josephine Lenehan because I call everyone by their full name. Welcome to the studio. Thank you. And yes, you're still one of the only people in the world who calls me by full name, but I do enjoy it. Um, so Joe and I knew each other um, because we lived together for 11 years. So we have a strong friendship. But since we have moved apart... Joe has changed her life and is now a sustainability guru. Um, am I right? I wouldn't use the word guru. That's you are it. a master of it. Well, I, I am. I just finished my master's. That's yes. true. But definitely a far away from when we lived together, because when we lived together, this was not on my radar Oh, you all. were all about pennies, hon. I was a big fast fashion haul girl, lots of shopping, you know, a lot of like, you know, flying wherever I could, whenever I could. So things have changed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about all things sustainability. I think that when people hear the word sustainability, if they're like me, I get this kind of like eye roll where I'm like, oh, I have to listen because of the planet. But I also really don't want to change my lifestyle. And I've done some things to like become more sustainable. But other things like I really resent and I don't want to have to do them. Um, what so, are the things that you really resent? Does anything come to so mind? So for example, but, oh, I'm also autistic, so I have sensory issues. I hate those wooden forks that I get, like takeaway restaurants. Like, don't give me that awful yoke. Like, give me those green plastic forks that were biodegradable. It said they were biodegradable. What was wrong with that? I know. And I have to say, people, whenever I tell people what I do, people come at me about straws. They're like, I hate you and your paper but there straws. Was, there was a place plastic for plastic works. straws. Like there was a place for them for some but look, people. This is the thing. And look, it is so complex. And I know when it comes down to people's daily lives, nobody wants to change. And everyone is so busy and has so much on their plate and is trying to juggle so, so much. And everything is so expensive. And then you throw sustainability into the mix. And that really, I think, does frustrate people. So I suppose what I try to do with the supplement and, and with my writing and with social media is try to really take some of the pressure off of it because there's a lot of myths around sustainability too and there's a lot of like marketing and then there's greenwashing and so I think people have are kind of confused about what they should be doing what they shouldn't be doing you know if you want to use the plastic fork fine but you but know, I can't they're not available no they've been banned but what, <laughs> what I mean is you know the small things like that if they're really irking you okay maybe drop that and maybe there's something else you can do and I think everyone has to kind of figure out what works for them and what's going to fit into their lives as opposed to create this massive barrier that then they end up presenting and then they end up doing nothing whatsoever okay let's so we're going to break it down into a few topics right travel yeah. fashion and then lifestyle okay we'll start with travel I feel very virtuous because I have refused to take a number of flights since last year and I have an electric car. So pretty doing susta- really well. Pretty sustainable. We also had two cars and we got went down to one because I was like, this there's no need for this. This is only like convenience for me and we can definitely use public transport. So that was a big That's huge. Getting rid of a car and having an electric car. 
that's amazing. And also the flight thing, because, you know, I think obviously during COVID, nobody could really fly. And then when COVID was over, everyone was like, oh, my God, just get me on a plane out of here. So I think it is a it is a challenge to ask people to not fly. But if there is the option for you to maybe not, especially, I suppose, with work, and I would have been the same, I would have been invited to lots of different like press days and events in, like, let's say, London. And I've done the same. I scale them back. And I do obviously still fly. We're on an island. You have to be practical. But trying to limit it where possible. And one of the main things I would say is internal flying. So people who are maybe saying, oh, I'm going to carry for a weekend and I'm going to hop on a plane or I'm going up to Belfast. If you can take the train, I mean, really, those are the ones that we should be trying to eliminate. And if you are in a plane, if you take economy rather than business class, I know a lot of people listening won't even have the option of business class, but business class ticket is about four times the impact of economy. So again, you know, if you're going but to fly, think of those things. What my brain goes to is if you take an economy flight on that flight, that business class seat is still going to be there. And it's either going to be full of someone else or it's going to be empty. So what difference does it make if the flight is there? Like, why is it coming down to individual responsibility when actually if the flight is going to take off anyway, it doesn't matter whether you're on it or not. Like, should it not be down to government to say there are only going to be two flights to Spain this week? That is it. 100%. And the, that, that's when it comes down to you saying like, I don't want to use a plastic or a, like a decomposable fork or whatever. It does come down to legislation, government, big business, 100%. But there is a consumer part to play in it because so many of the amazing initiatives that have gone through or the big changes that companies have made, pennies, for example, you mentioned, has come from consumers like changing their behaviour or asking questions or doing things. So, so if people aren't getting the flights, they won't put them out. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's about the attitude, you know, and just even just considering that, okay, someone else might take the business class flight, but if you're thinking about it and you, and you, you, you think of your flight and you think, okay, like if I'm going economy, at least that's a little bit better. It's, it's, it's building this awareness and this movement towards considering the environment, which hasn't been there for long because we've just been living in such a great place of privilege where we didn't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. So it's just getting into that mindset and just trying to create an awareness and we're not all going to do everything right, but just considering it in what you do is really important. We've heard Patrick Keelty recently say that he's taken this job at the Late Late Show, but he's asked RTE to offset the carbon in his flights by planting trees. Then I've heard gardeners say that actually when you plant a tree, in the first years of a tree, they actually take, like, they cause more damage than they do. Um, Eventually, they become good for the environment. But at the start, you're actually just making more damage. What? How do you feel about carbon offsetting? Carbon offsetting is really complex and there's been a lot of controversy because even at the start of the year, one of the, the most significant carbon offsetting companies, a huge corporation, they found out that actually they weren't planting the trees they were saying they were doing and they were making a lot of money off of it. And it's a hugely complex thing. And I would say to people, especially like if you are, let's say, taking a flight or maybe you're ordering something, often there'll be an option to like click a button and you pay a euro and it'll offset. I would avoid that at all costs. And offsetting is amazing but it has to be done very carefully so I would say if someone is thinking of offsetting or if RT are looking into it you need to go with first of all a charity where 100% of the money being donated to them is being put into planting and it has to be native trees so a lot of the issues of the offsetting is people will just plant any old tree and that's not what we need we need Ireland to be planting the trees that are native here and that will actually build up our biodiversity so a great company um, called Homegrown they're based in the west coast and they're rebuilding Irish rainforests so they're working really slowly at it but they're a charity so offsetting can be done but it needs to be done by experts and it needs to be done really really right and really well and you need to be able to trust the company so I think it's a great idea I think RT should be offsetting if he's going to be flying over and back but they need to be very careful about who they work with for sure And 
is offsetting sort of kind of greenwashing? Again, it depends how you're doing it. Explain greenwashing, I guess, for listeners who don't know what it is. Okay, so greenwashing is a term that's been around only really in recent years. And it basically refers to any person or company who is saying they're doing something sustainable or they're marketing themselves as being green or eco-friendly. And actually, that's not the case. They're just, you know, and because there's very, very little legislation at the moment about what actually constitutes as sustainable or not, there's a lot of wiggle room for companies to get around it. And thankfully, the EU are really cracking down. I mean, they found, I think two years ago, about 42% of all green claims in the EU were actually false, which so is we, crazy. That's crazy. But we see, like, you go into certain stores, like you might go into H&M or Zara or other stores, and they have a section that's called, like, conscious or eco-friendly. And the colours are all sort of, like, earth tones, greens, creams. And they might have a tag that's slightly different. It might be made of linen or some shit. And they're all like, oh, this is our conscious range. It's all sustainable. And then it's actually not. Yeah. And, it's and actually just made in the same factory. With a different label. With a different label. But thankfully that era is now coming to an end because the EU has realised that this is super complex and they're, so they're bringing in lots of new laws, including a greenwashing law that's going to make it illegal and it's going to be very, very strict on what can and can count. You'll have to have things like certifi- third-party certifications to prove that what you're doing is true. They'll actually have different ways that they'll measure, you know, what is impactful, what's not. So that is going to start to phase out over the next few years, which is great. But you're right, at the moment, it's very confusing for consumers. I think that the, when it comes down to the, to the offsetting thing, it's just about knowing where you're offsetting and why. Um, you know, and as I say, I would be very, very careful if you're booking a flight and they say, tick this box, pay your and we'll offset. No, like where are you offsetting? What kind of trees are they? Is it in Ireland? Is it abroad? That is where the greenwashing thing comes in. But if you know who the company is and how they're doing it and what so they're doing. So you don't click like you just go onto their the other website, like Homegrown or whatever, That's and what say, I do. here's 20 quid. Yeah, I'm going on a holiday, my first holiday in ages. I'm going tomorrow and I'm going to make a donation to Home Tree because I know they're going to do some positive tree planting. That will actually have an impact. Those trees will be looked after. Is it home tree or homegrown? Sorry, homegrown. Homegrown. Yes. Um, And can we talk then about fashion, right? Because we were talking about fast fashion. What makes, so you're wearing a black cotton t-shirt there. What makes one black cotton t-shirt sustainable and another black cotton t-shirt not sustainable? There's so many different ways to categorise it. But I suppose the most basic thing for people to know, and I think what many people don't know, is that about 90% of the clothes you wear are actually made from fossil fuels. They're made from petroleum. So if you were to check the clothes you're wearing now, I bet they're made from some kind of synthetic... Oh, definitely. Like this jacket is from H&M. This probably isn't because it's Sinead Keery. It's made from bamboo. Okay, so that's But these are like... I don't know. They might be polyester, they might be some kind of nylon blend. So all of those are made from petroleum. So most of the clothes that we wear are actually plastic. So the issue with that is that when you're finished with that item, there's only a couple of things you can do, right? You can either donate it to a charity shop if it's in good enough condition, or you might put it into one of those recycling bins. But if something is made from petroleum or it's made from a mixed material which most of the things that we wear are like very few things are made from 100% bamboo 100% cotton Mm -hmm. they're almost impossible to recycle so what's having to happen then is that the EU is shipping about 37 million items over to third world countries like Ghana um, the Atacama Desert in Chile you can actually see the mounds of EU clothes from space now in the desert there. So we've nothing to do with these clothes. because Sorry, are they going them. to Africa and uh, are people wearing them there or are they going to like landfill? So they were shipped there 
initially, I guess 20 years ago when the fast fashion thing really kicked off, they were being shipped there because um, I guess people in those com- in those countries would, you know, try to find, um, you know, things that were in good condition. They might resell them. They might take them apart and use the materials. But actually the stuff that we're shipping there now is such low quality that they are just ending up in their rivers and oceans. Um, a lot of people, especially in Accra, um, the capital of Ghana, they're, they're burning clothes for fuel and they're breathing in those fumes. So, you know, it, it's a huge, huge issue. The fashion industry is the second biggest polluter after fossil fuels because we're all having to wear clothes every single day. So when you come back to saying, OK, what's a sustainable T-shirt? The first thing you can do is if you're going to buy a new T-shirt, buy 100% cotton, 100% linen. Just try to buy a natural material and 100% of, an, of a material. And to be honest, most even fast fashion, like high street brands, I will actually offer that. You just might need to do a bit of, of digging. The second thing you can do um, is to just buy secondhand. And that doesn't mean that you have to be buying something that isn't good quality. I mean, Depop, Vestair Collective, they will have things that literally have the tags on that someone bought, didn't need or got a present of. So buying things instead of buying them brand new, buying them secondhand, that's a, an amazing thing to do to lower the impact. And then the third thing Why is... Why does that lower the impact? Because it's already been made. So we're not using any new materials. Okay. And we're continue, keeping things in circulation. So the whole point of sustainability and this model that we're trying to work towards is a circular economy. So everything that we make, hopefully over the next 50 years, we'll be able to use Use over and over and over again. So that's that's what we're trying to move to with everything. Likewise with fashion. And then the third thing is, if you've none of those choices, which some people don't, um, the most important thing you could do is wear your clothes for as long as possible. So the Ellen MacArthur Foundation estimates that about 30 wears is what it takes to offset the impact of a piece of clothing. So if you're going to buy something just ask yourself, am I going to wear this 30 times? Can I wear it with jeans? Can I wear it with a dress? Am I going to actually get the wear out of this? And if the answer is no, maybe can you borrow something? Like I said, can you buy it secondhand? So there's kind of a hierarchy, but again, not everyone's going to be able to do that all the time, but it's just thinking about that. I think um, that's like, I'm thinking about myself here and it's like quite easy. I can, I can say like, well, I wear this 30 times. But yeah. for example, I have a 10 month old. Yes, and the, she, yeah, she can't like. There's nothing that she will wear thirty times because thirty. If I put it on her every single day for thirty days, she wouldn't fit into it by the end of thirty days because she's growing so fast. And I do feel like the places that are like fast fashion when it comes to kids' clothes. Now I have a lot of hand me downs, and I'm passing everything on because PJ Gallagher is having twins, and you know, so every like nothing is going to charity. It's all go are going in the bin. It's going to the next person. That's amazing because they're all in great condition because they've only worn them twice. But for kids, like, it's just so expensive to keep kids. I can see how, like, parents are like, yeah, I want to be sustainable, but, like, I can only really afford to spend two euro on a T-shirt. I know, and the kids thing is something, I don't have children, so I really don't like to comment on it because I think it must be hugely challenging. And you're right, kids grow out of things, you know, they if they're a little bit older, they're probably ripping things and tearing things. So, again, if you can do hand-me-downs, amazing. There are loads of great Irish companies now that do second-hand, so you can also just sell stuff on and actually make a little bit of money if that helps. But that's something that, again, we're going to need government and, and bigger companies to help support us on. We don't have all the answers yet. And with kids' clothing, that's hugely challenging. What else do you think like with fashion, like how have things changed or what do you see coming down the line? Like we still have, like let's talk about pennies. Yeah. What changes have they made and are they greenwashing or virtue signalling or are they actually sustainable or is there just like a corner of the store that's sustainable? So pennies are really interesting because they're so much part of Irish life and 
I don't think Pennies is ever going to go anywhere. I think we all have shopped there and will continue to shop there and it's such a staple for people. I suppose they came under so much pressure, especially in the last 10 years, because there was so much controversy about their workers' rights. They were involved in the Rana Plaza disaster where there was dozens of factory workers killed in a really unsafe factory in Bangladesh. Um, you know, they've been called out so many times for mostly workers' violations and then also making clothes out of petrol that are like, you know, two euros, as they say, for a dress or whatever. Um, so they've been called out. I think they realise that legislatively they're going to be under severe pressure in the next 20 years because a lot of the things that they're doing are going to be made very, very hard to do legally. So they have... I have to say, I've gone through, they've made a 10-year plan. They have a really large, like full-time sustainability team. It's not just like they have someone kind of, you know, writing a press release and they are working constantly on completely changing the entire company. So yes, right now, there's only a percentage maybe of their items, but the plan is that long-term everything will be. So what they've done already is they're instilling a living wage. So right now, most of the 300 million workers who work in the fashion industry are women. Um, and then about 70% of those are working in places like Bangladesh and China and Vietnam in factories. And there's about a 45% gap between a living wage and the wage that they're actually on. So most people are living in poverty who are working in fashion. So what they've been doing is instilling a, a living wage in factories. And what's amazing about that is that Pennies is such a huge company and they're so powerful. When they do that, a lot of the time they'll share a factory with four or five other high street brands. So if they say, OK, we're instilling a living wage into this factory, the other brands have to get on board. So they have enormous power in helping to change the behaviours of other companies when they make a change. Another thing that they've been really focused on is regenerative farming. And that's a really exciting practice. So that's basically instead of just, you know, extracting everything you need from the soil and just constantly growing, let's say, cotton, which is very thirsty, um, a crop, they work at rotation. It's like going back to the old times. They rotate, they work, they help farmers work with organic practices, so very low pesticide use. That's a big issue in third world countries where farmers are working with very, very uh, chemical rich um, kind of crops and they get a lot of disease from that. So helping farmers uh, farm very clean, very organically and doing it in a really healthy way that doesn't damage the soil. And again, when they do that and they can produce then an organic T-shirt, that's four euro. It changes the whole industry because a lot of the time the industry is that, oh, you, you can't shop sustainably because it's too expensive. And pennies are really changing that. So they're making that very affordable. And a lot of their kids' clothes now you'll see are organic, which is much better for children's health. A lot of children suffer from allergies. They'll find that they get a lot of skin conditions because of either the chemicals that the cotton's been grown in. Mm -hmm. So it's it's going to have a major impact. And So I will they be able to have a cotton t-shirt for four euro? They do. They have okay. a really, really affordable organic scent because they're doing it at such great scale. Great scale. So I know they come under fire. They definitely don't have all the answers. But to me, okay, we need to get rid of greenwashing when people are lying. But at the same time, we can't get into a situation where we're shaming companies who historically haven't done great but are really trying to do the right thing. Yeah, like I have far less of an issue with with pennies than I have with things like Sheen or Shine. I don't know how to yeah, pronounce Shein. it. Sheen and... Yeah you know, like AliExpress and some of the yeah. companies that I think mainly are, are, are Asian based yes. and have completely different laws and regulations over there. Absolutely. Um, 
but we need to encourage like I think what they're doing is it's long term it's full time they're investing a lot of money they're looking at supporting their workers they're looking to the future of, of obviously their business but also you know what does the world need to continue to, to be supported and that to me okay it's not perfect but we need to encourage that if we start beating everyone down who's trying to make a change who hasn't been perfect I mean we're not going to get anywhere Do you think that from the consumer's end, there's a change. I don't I, I don't drink, I don't really socialise, I don't like social gatherings. But in your social circle, it was always a thing of like, I have to have something new to wear. Wore that, they've seen me in that dress, I can't wear it again. And so sometimes if you're trying to be sustainable or cheap, you might say, can I borrow this and you can wear that because we haven't been seen in these dresses. Is that changing? Are people now happy to be seen in a dress they've already worn? Or is it still like, I want something new for this event? I think in my experience, I definitely think it's down to age group. Like I'm the same. I don't really go out anymore like, because I've gone past it. And so I don't think any of my friends or people I socialise with care. Like, you know, we see mm-hmm. each other all the time. But I think for people who are maybe a little bit younger, there still is that culture. And we know we have the statistics to back that up because even though everyone says, oh, Gen Z are so eco-conscious and they're, but they're the ones who are supporting and really pushing brands like Shein. So I think there's still a disconnect. And I think for a lot of people, you know, if you've had a long week, if, you've, if you're having a tough time, if you don't have a lot of money, retail really is how people get a lot of their boost. And if you can order six outfits from, you know, a cheap company and it's what you can afford, you're not really going to think about the consequences of that. So there is still a lot of education to do. But I honestly th- think most people, when they realise what is going on and who feels the impact and, you know, if there's better ways to do things, I do think most people want to change. But there's you can still put on the blinkers. And I did for years. I worked in the fashion industry for a long time and, you know, that information was always there, but I didn't actively seek that out because I was having a great time. So I'm definitely not on my high horse. And I think that's why having the conversation now is important because I don't want to be looking down on people and saying, oh, like I have it perfect. I don't. And I definitely haven't for years. I'm trying to now learn you know, why didn't I make those choices then? Like, how can I help educate people? Because maybe if I'd known back then, maybe I would have done differently. We have to have those tough conversations. Just taking a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Rockwell Financial. Rockwell Wealth Management are amazing at extracting wealth from your business in a tax-efficient way. Whether it's pensions, protection, investment, exit strategies, succession planning, anything like that, they are the ones to go to. They have a free one-to-one consultation for Basically listeners. So ring them up, tell them you listen to Basically and they will give you that offer of a free consultation. Rockwell Wealth Management, go for it. When you're not feeling well or if you're in pain, getting medical treatment without delay is what matters. Matter Private has an emergency department at their hospital in Dublin and Cork where you can get access to emergency medical care quickly. I've used the service myself. The emergency department team was led by a consultant and they got me seen within 30 minutes of my arrival, which is their goal for all patients. And that means you can get whatever diagnostic tests you need without a delay, like a CT scan, an MRI scan, an ultrasound. And those results are fast tracked to help the medical team work out what was most suitable for your treatment. If you need to be admitted to the hospital, which I didn't, you will be seen as soon as possible by a consultant who specialises in your specific medical or surgical area of need. It's for over 16s only and they're open in Dublin Monday to Saturday 8am to 5pm and in Cork from Monday to Friday 9 to 5. See matterprivate.ie for more details on getting the specialist care you need as soon as possible. If you're not feeling well and you need medical treatment quickly, visit the emergency department at Matter Private Cork and Dublin. Here at the podcast studios, we're opening our doors to everyone this Culture Night. Come see the place where your favourite headstuff shows are made. Get behind-the-scenes access, learn about production, and record your very own five-minute podcast. This is an opportunity not to be missed. 
Join us on Friday, 22nd of September. Register on eventbrite.ie or see the Culture Night website for details. We look forward to seeing you there. I sometimes can get on my high horse because I don't really value fashion. Like I'm not really into fashion and I don't socialise. But I am. Uh, I my favourite shop in the world is Amazon. I love it so much. I love that everything is there. I have a baby now, so I can't often get to the shops. And I have Prime, and so I can just order a thing, and it's there the next day. And I love seeing the van coming. How awful am I? <laughs> You're not awful. <laughs> You're not awful at all with your electric car and your no flights. You're doing great. Look again. There's no way that you can live a completely pure green life. It's impossible. But if Amazon have gotten better with their packaging. Like they used to send a massive box for like a tiny thing, but now they come in a bag and sometimes they don't come in any packaging. Okay, well, that's great. I don't shop with Amazon, so I'm, Why? I'm not sure because I know that they've had very questionable worker rights issues. They have so pennies, but they're we're doing better. They are. And if Amazon are doing better, that's great. And every company is going to have to do better. That's the thing. Legally, they're not going to have a choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really exciting is that, you know, before we were kind of relying on the company to tell us what they were doing and why they were doing it and did they care or did they not care and actually they're not going to have a choice anymore um, I know Amazon have a big fleet of electric vans I'm sure they have something in place to make those electric over the next 10 years last mile emissions are really significant That's Talk ba- to us about last mile emissions Yeah so basically the last mile is defined as I guess the best way to explain it is you know something lands in a warehouse and then the truck heads on the motorway and then once it comes off the motorway maybe it's going into your estate and my estate and then it's going down a country road to someone else and they're the last mile. So really those big shipping companies are now having to look at ways to rework their logistics and get rid of those last mile because often they're very if they're driving a diesel or petrol van, like they're very intense because you're changing gears. You might be going slow, speeding Okay, up. so it's actually not that bad when all of the stuff is in the truck and it's on the motorway, but it's like actually getting it to everybody's house that's causing the issue. Exactly. And some companies have tried to do little hubs where you can go and collect stuff. And I think now that people are back at work, you know, a lot of people aren't getting stuff brought straight to their door, but it is a big issue. So I think if you are going to order something, it's just interesting to see, you know, are they, is it coming from DVD? Are they electric fleet? Are Amazon? I'll go and do some research on Amazon after this. No, I can tell you that the vans that come to my house, DPT, the DPD van is not electric. The Amazon Prime van is not electric. The Unpost van is electric. Um, I love Unpost. And yeah, no, some of them, but then they outsource. Like I've had Unpost things delivered by non-Unpost vans because I think they're so inundated. Yeah. But like my favourite thing, and I need uh, this I need to stop, is sometimes if I need three things on Amazon, I'll order them in three separate orders because then I get three separate deliveries and I just get this rush of dopamine every time the doorbell rings but that's really bad because no, that's really bad yeah because you no. could just give me the three things at once and then there'd be but that's three times the last mile emissions and that's a great tip actually if you are going to have to buy some things maybe you can do it all in one go and just have one delivery as opposed to as opposed to like oh, no. <laughs> dragging it out across the week so something arriving every day yeah, now it's good. it's things that I need you know because I've moved house it's like a toilet roll holder or you know like bits that are like I'm not just ordering random plastic for the sake of it that's fine but, um, but yeah just thinking a little bit you know more long term um, so we've done fashion and travel let's talk about and, and we're kind of moving into lifestyle now with the with the posters stuff talk to me about food waste is that a huge area. It's, it's a huge thing and I think it's actually a really good one for people to maybe latch on to. If they're listening to this conversation they're like, oh my god, rolling their eyes. Like food waste is such a money waster. Irish households at the moment waste about 700 euros worth of food every year, mm-hmm. which is massive. And I think if anyone is like, you know, pen, pinching pennies or thinking I'd love to go on a weekend away and I just don't have the money, like 700 euro is a lot, especially at the moment when groceries are so expensive. So food waste is a huge issue. We're wasting about 
42% of the food that we grow right now in the world, which is phenomenal. And it's we just really, really have to reduce it. It has a huge carbon impact. It's obviously hugely wasteful. Um, and if you think about, like, I think sometimes we don't think, like, when we have, like, something, you know, a lovely little punnet of strawberries or whatever, you kind of forget that, like, They've taken so long to grow. Someone's had to harvest them. They've had to be shipped. So you're not just throwing away the end product. You're throwing away all of the water, the soil, the labour, the transport that's mm-hmm. been used to, to grow it. Um, and I think it's a really good thing for people to focus on. If they want to save some money and they want to be more sustainable, if you just focus on food waste, that would have a huge impact. And how can people do that? Because I don't have a lot of food waste at all. But sometimes, like, I need a potato for a recipe or two potatoes. And it comes in a bag of 30 of them. And I'm like, I don't need 30 potatoes. I just need two. And then I'll try and make some recipes and use them up. But I can never use them all. So then, like, they've got all these weird sprouted potatoes. And I'm like, these have to go. (laughs) Yeah, they're lethal. Yeah. And again, that comes down to supermarkets. So there's a couple of things that are happening, I guess, on the level above consumers, which is great. So supermarkets have gotten rid of, especially Tesco, Marks and Spencers, um, and I think Lidl, they've gotten rid of I think over a thousand different sell-by dates on food. So you know the way some people live by the best before date? Mm -hmm. They'll have like a carton of milk and they'll be like oh it's out today and they'll throw it away. So they're getting rid of those because actually they're often not accurate and they're now asking people to just actually sniff something or look at the co- if it's meat, look at the colour or check the food safety websites to make sure that's going to help. They're also getting rid of things as you see being wrapped in plastic which is so wasteful because I've been in that situation too where you need a carrot and you, you can only buy 24 of them. So buying loose things if you can yeah. is fantastic and just trying to avoid and like often they'll be cheaper I think that's where the food waste issue starts. It's like oh it's actually cheaper for me to buy 12 of these But then if you only use two, it's not cheaper because you've actually wasted them. So just buying what you need. I know for families or with people with kids, doing a couple of trips to the shop every week is impossible because you're probably doing food planning. But I like it's just me and and my partner. So we'll go to the shop a couple of times a week and just buy what we need for that day and the next day. Yeah, because I think I've heard that that's, uh, you know, there was always this kind of thing like, oh, it's better to do one big shop because then you won't, you'll spend less money. But actually, I find that's when I have waste. And sometimes it's like privilege waste, where it's like, I have these perfect ingredients for this meal, but I don't feel like that meal today. I want takeaway. I want takeaway. I'm tired. I've had a bad day. I'm not sitting down to cook this risotto or standing up to cook this risotto for an hour. Um, And so, yeah, like, yes, I could. It's perfectly capable. But like, humans are humans and we're going to sometimes deviate from that. So would would it not be better to... Is, is the thing that it's more expensive to do a big shop or it's honestly, to, to shop frequently? No, I honestly think that's a total marketing point. I actually had a great conversation with one of the girls and she has a, a little baby. We were talking about our food shop and we swapped, like we checked in to see how much we'd spend. Now obviously hers is going to be a little bit more because she has like a small boy. But like we definitely weren't spending, like I, I do a couple of shops a week and it wasn't. I think that's a real marketing swing because if you're in doing a big shop, you are going to buy loads more. You'll fill up the trolley because you're like, oh, I won't come back. But I guarantee you during the week you're like, oh, I'm out of eggs or I need to run to the shop for this. So mm-hmm. I think moving away from that, if you can, is a really good place to start and just buying as you need. Because as you say, especially when you're like our age, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm going to meet a friend or actually I can't, like I'm going to go home or whatever. Plans change, yeah. Yeah, and you're going to waste all of that. The next thing to do is to freeze. Like there are so many more things that you can freeze than people realise. Like I usually freeze most of my bread because like that I'll be like I mightn't be home till Friday or I might need it and it freezes perfectly pastries are great um, most fruit loads of veg um, then there's really smart things you can do like 
like you were saying, if you have leftover bits, there's so many great recipes that you can use that are like, if you have these three leftover things, what can I make? And then if you're a competitive person and you have like a smart watch or you love like counting your steps or whatever, there's some great apps and the Stop Food Waste app is brilliant and you can basically like put in what's in your pantry and in your fridge and then when you go to your shop, you can take things off and make sure you're not double buying, which also happens to you where you're like, you buy something, you already had it at home um, and then you basically get different goals to reduce your food waste and attracts what you've, what you've kept and what you've wasted. Cool. So it's a really nice way to kind of get competitive about it um, and keep track. And then the other thing that I love is that a lot of like restaurants and hotels have, are working with Too Good To Go, which is a, an app. I think it has like over 100 million users around the world now. But what they do is they'll go to a restaurant, including like Bread 41, which I know is around the road. Mm-hmm. And when they have leftover stuff. When do they ever have leftovers? Just I know. queue out the door. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> anyway, go on. Whenever they've leftover food, they basically put in a little mystery bag and then anyone can go on and just order. Um, it's super cheap and you'll get like restaurant or grocery store worthy stuff at a really good pr- price. So again, money saving. Are you get sorry, is that like ingredients or you're getting no, leftover, food. leftover food? So from Bread 41, you might get a sourdough loaf and a couple of pastries. Um, and it just depends on what area you're in or whatever. But it's a great way of for restaurants who, who are huge, uh, who have huge issues with food waste. It's a great way for them to get rid of like what is sometimes amazing food at the end of the day instead of going into the bin. And then when you're at that stage and maybe you can't freeze something, maybe something is gone off, your potatoes are sprouting, it's really important to compost. So don't put it into your black bin because it's not going to naturally degrade that way. If it's in a plastic um, bag, it's going to be either landfilled or incinerated. So not everyone has a brown bin at the moment, but over the next two years, the government's going to make sure that everyone does. And you just put loads of your food waste. You can put in like um, chicken bones, like leftover meat bits, cheese, mo- like all fruit and veg. There's loads you can put in. And what happens is that brown bin is brought to a um, composting centre and it can basically be composted and made into compost. So again, exactly. And we're, you, again, it's coming back to that circular economy. So even if something's at the end of its life cycle, how can it have another purpose? So at the end of the till at like Little Andy Tesco, you can see these like little, they almost look like dog poo bags, but they say 100% compostable. And they are apparently for the food compost bin. Yeah. Is that true? Or is this another racket? Because no, it's true. I use them. Okay. I love them. I actually use them for all of my bins just because they naturally degrade. So you're not adding more plastic um, into the environment. I heard that if you even don't use, if you just use not black bags, if you use the white ones, they degrade quicker. Wow. And so it's going to help the whole situation. Amazing. Yeah. So you're just avoiding plastic and yeah, they'll com- they'll naturally degrade in the compost bin. So that's the issue. You can't put plastic into your brown bin because then that's undoing it. That'll contaminate it. But small things like that are amazing. So yeah, when you're in there next time, get a bag of them. They're brilliant. Well, it's just handier because it's kind of a d- disgusting bin to, you know, to like, try and deal with. Yes, it is. With coffee grinds and everything. Yeah. Um, is recycling a racket? Because I have heard that if people throw things into their recycling bin and people are trying their best to recycle and do the compost bin and the black bin and have this black bin the smallest possible thing which is impossible when you have diapers and nappies and like I'm trying to do reusable sometimes but it's like actually this is my life is not possible with all of all the time to do reusable anyway um, does the recycling get put on a ship and sent to China or somewhere where they have different recycling laws and just end up in a landfill anyway so basically, the answer is yes and no. So in Ireland, we have recycling targets. Irish people are getting way better at recycling. 
there's a couple of things with recycling. Like there's some things that you can't put into the recycling bin. So it's really important that everyone just goes on and has, has a quick Google to see what you can go in. Most plastic, hard plastic can go in. Tinfoil, if it's clean and balled up, can go in. So there's like loads of things that can go in. But then there's mistakes that happen. Like people will put in, you know, a ham packet with the film and it won't be washed. So give things a quick rinse, take off any kind of soft film, like those things can't be recycled. So so like, you know, you get a punnet of baby corn. Yeah. And the punnet is hard, but it's kind of cling film over it. Yeah. So the, the cling, cling film, film can't. can't. Well, if, they, if, it's, if it's cling film and it doesn't have a sticker on it and you can ball it up and it's clean, that's fine. But things like stickers complicate things. And for your Amazon boxes, let's say, I don't know if they're wrapped with like a paper um, kind of a sellotape or if it's an actual like plastic, that kind of plastic. Um, no, it's just a paper bag that has, I think, like a little bit of glue on, like a thing folds over and it sticks to itself. Okay, so that's fine if that goes in. But sometimes if you if I get a delivery, it'll have kind of that plastic sellotape Tape. that has to come off. Because again, that's plastic that can't be recycled. So but pl- I thought plastic it can be recycled not like plastic sellotape okay some plastic like hard plastics can be but that kind of tape like can't be if it's on a piece of cardboard okay so that that complicates things but we do have targets and we need things to be recycled and what happens is when something's recycled we get back to that circular economy so that plastic is melted down it's used again which is fantastic there are some things then that can't be recycled and a lot of people put stuff into their recycling bin that can't be or in Ireland we still don't have the capacity to recycle some things. Like it's only a few years ago that they were like okay now we can do some hard plastics that we couldn't do before. Yeah, but we were putting them in the whole time. Exactly. So, so where were they going? So those things had to be separated. When they go to a recycling centre there's some great videos of this if you're a loser like me and you want to watch these things there's some great ones I've on YouTube. I've seen it of like them separating separate the things. It. And then obviously stuff that can't be recycled has to be landfilled or incinerated and then stuff that can be recycled but that are that Ireland doesn't have the capacity to does get shipped to other countries either within the EU actually China has said they're not taking any more of the EU's um, recyclable stuff so they've actually stopped because they were taking in a lot of it but there are different countries that we export to Germany we export a lot of our recycling stuff because they've got other equipment So then we put the recycling On a ship On a ship or a plane burn fossil fuels to get it to another country I know Ah, uh, lads. I know, but the thing is, as as we get better at recycling here and as we get better technology, we'll be hopefully at a stage in Ireland where everything that we recycle will be reused. And, and we'll by then the people will be trained to do it and it'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. But it's we're still a long way off, but definitely recycle. Like I had a friend who was like, I don't believe in recycling. And I was like, OK, that is an outrageous statement. <laughs> it is a thing. You can't believe in what it or not. You don't believe in it. She was just, like that. She was just like, I just don't believe that someone's actually recycling this and we have to recycle. Just be careful about what you're recycling but like if you do start to recycle properly like and you're right you're between your recycling bin your brown bin your black bin unless you're dealing with nappies or a lot of waste like that your black bin should be really really small each mm-hmm. week and if you're in an area where you're being charged that's I great I saw to someone keep on TikTok down. who can put a month's a month's black bin contents into a Pringles box that's amazing. Which should be recycled. But anyway, <laughs> it's like what he put she in there empty for. it into the bin and then recycle it. That's absolutely amazing. I mean, think of how hugely challenging that would be because we just have so much waste in our lives. Like, and that's the problem as well. Like, we're living in a society where we've just, everything is just use it and throw it away. You know, that's how the system has been set up. So we're now looking at a stage where we're like, we have to change how everything's being done. And there is some interesting stuff coming down the line. Like, basically from early next year whenever you get a water bottle or a drinks can mm-hmm. you're going to be charged no. a little bit extra and when you bring it back to a shop you'll get the money back they do that in Germany but sure, and then people go around the bins trying to 
point that's going to happen here that's starting next year because we just have so many water bottles that are being thrown into the bin and that aren't being recycled and that are getting cont- contaminated and the same with drinks and like those drinks cans on those plastic bottles they're really valuable material like we're running out of these materials that's why we're getting into the circular economy we don't have any more of these materials to go around so we need to start reusing them so that's going to come in from early next year it'll be back to glass milk bottles will it well I, it already is oh yeah I think it will and Lidl actually have they have two um, stores one in Glenageary I think and one I think in Mayo that does it and they've consumers have made so much money just bringing in their stuff and they're going to roll out to more shops I think 136 next year but everywhere is going to have it next year so imagine the change it's going to take for us to be like I'm finished my Diet Coke next time I go to the shop I'll bring it in and I'm going to get 15 cent back like that's going to be mad but in five years that'll be the norm we won't even think twice about it Oh my god it'll be like kids that's how they'll get pocket money like you can have all the cans and, and you, you like go through the bins there you'll be saying that to your little you go through the bins you can have your pocket money um, any other tips for people like quick easy wins I was listening to you on Pat Kenny and you were saying things like when you're in a hotel don't get your room cleaned every day yes that that's a huge one and yeah. like it's something I never really thought about but if you're on holidays you know you leave the room in the morning when you come back everything's been like fully cleaned you've new towels yeah, you've new that's the luxury of being in a hotel like I know I know but if you haven't like a lot of the time when you're away you might have or been yeah, in the room for 10 for minutes you yeah. know what I mean so skipping that room clean will save about 35 litres of water 100 millilitres of chemicals 1.5 kilowatts of electricity and there's about 17 million guest rooms in the world so think of how much that would add up unless you d- listen if your room's filthy and you need a room clean fine a lot of hotels are already doing this in that what they'll say is if you need fresh towels call let us, us or if you yeah. want the room cleaned let us know but they're not doing it automatically because that saves massively so if you're going away that's a really good thing to think of your reusable coffee cup and your reusable water bottle because it's now going to be more expensive to get a disposable cup they're going to start charging a levy I think it might already have come in but it'll that'll save you money and it's so good like we throw away literally millions of disposable coffee cups I know some people prefer them I think people were making progress on that and then COVID happened I think and so it was too. like now you're not allowed to give us your dirty cups yeah exactly so getting back into that is a really great thing mm-hmm. to do money saving time saving I think it's brilliant um, that's a really good thing and then it comes down to just anything like, it, again, with the clothes stuff, just think twice and ask yourself, am I going to wear it 30 times? If not, maybe take 24 hours to think about it. There's a lot of like impulse shopping that we've all become really used to, which is very hard to detangle yourself from. Um, I think as well for people who are maybe a little bit more open to it, join a free cycle group. So have you heard of free cycle groups? No. You should join one now in your area. They've sprung up all over the country and basically... It's a Facebook group. You have to be on Facebook. But people will just write First in. hurdle. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> know. Sorry. <laughs> people will write in and say, you know, I've got like five, you know, outfits for a five-year-old. Does anyone want them? And it's a completely free. So there's no money that's exchanged, but people will just exchange things. And it's really handy in terms of things like, you know, food or, you know, if if someone's had like a party and they've stuff left over, like stuff that's kind of hard to find a home for, mm-hmm. but that is in your area. I know people, I know a girl who's furnished, she moved into a new house and she furnished her entire house from FreeCycle and the stuff is gorgeous. A lot of the time someone will get in touch and say, you know, I'm clearing out an old relative's house and we have like a bed and we have two sofas and like you can just come and take it for free. 
So tapping into those kind of communities is amazing. And it's also great if you're clearing out your house and you have stuff and you don't know what to do with it. And like sometimes people don't have the time to sell on done deal or they don't I have the car. I can't dealing with the messages. Can you send me another picture? Like, it, no, I know, can't. Or like come down the price or whatever. So literally you can be like, I'll leave it outside my door, come and get it. They're fantastic things to plug into. And I think the most important thing is to just, you know, tune out a lot of the negativity and come back to why we're doing this and we're doing this because long term we want to live in a really cost effective clean lovely environment and I think a lot of us especially when you're living in a city you become so disconnected with nature and so when you hear about like climate change or sustainability you're like oh god like who cares but we live well, in the such world is burning. A, yeah we yeah. live in such an amazing country it's so beautiful here we have such amazing wildlife like it's what, what I think about is like I don't want in 50 years time to be like oh yeah like we used to have amazing fish in Ireland but we don't anymore or we used to be able to you know grow lots of crops here but we can't anymore because our soil has gone past like that's the reality we're facing so I think it's going to be more like we're going to be saying to in 50 years time you know we used to be able to hop on a plane for a weekend and go to Prague for 16 euro oh <laughs> they'll God, be like what? Yeah. but that's what it was like like that, that is changed now like, or but you'll say, I used to be able to get six new outfits for 50 euro and it was delivered to my door and I'd wear them once and then I'd throw it out. Like that, definitely, that is hopefully going to be a past tense. Well, it hopefully, like our, our, like the generation below us will be like, that's disgusting. <laughs> like, just, oh my God, yeah, they're going to be like our national shame. Yeah, it will. Right. But just doing what you can and just, yeah, I, I guess trying to find people as well who maybe make the conversation a bit more digestible and I definitely don't believe in being like hardcore or giving out to people I think everyone's trying to do their best you can only do what you can but small changes really add up and whatever little things you can do in the day like that's enough just do small things at a time it'll make such a big impact If people want to hear more from you or have any questions about what they can do where can they find you? I'm on Instagram Joe the Futurist and then obviously the Sunday Times column comes out every Sunday in the Home Supplement so I always have like little tips that consumers can do really easy achievable usually money saving things um, and recommendations and then the climate supplement comes out the last Sunday of every month and that covers everything from lifestyle to climate to big kind of climate news um, and again lots of tips and helpful reminders Joe, thank you so much thank you and thank you for listening to another episode of Basically we'll be back next week with another episode our music is by Only Ruin our graphic design is by Kahlo Gara we are produced by Julie Hassett and we are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network see you next week This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.